Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is A.B. Dawji and this is the big picture. Broadcasting simultaneously on Radio Islam and Radio Al-Ansar. Ahlan wa sahlan and how's it? So, how was your week, eh? Habibi? Nice and easy, stress-free, everything coming up, roses. Wonderful, wonderful. But of course, we all know very well that South Africa is going through some very dark times. <laughs> well, let's do a little exercise, okay? I am going to say something, and you must immediately respond with the first word, the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Right? Are you ready? Okay. Here it is. Escom. <laughs> Hey, Mota, you're not supposed to use rude words, okay? <laughs> there may be kids around. So the big news this week is the announcement that the CEO of ESCOM, Andre DeRater, has tended in his resignation. Now, I read a poll on a news uh, website, and there was overwhelming support for DeRater. Uh, only 9% said that it was a good thing that he is leaving. But wait, 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 wait. I just got some breaking news, some inside information that has as yet not been released to the media. So you heard it first on the big picture. Here it is. Uh, the writer has resigned, but his daughter, Jenna, is taking over as CEO of ESCOM. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Hey, Jenna, that's her name. So, Jenna Rater is taking over as head of Escom. Yes, that's such a dry word. I'm so sorry. Uh, did you get that one, Mota? No? <laughs> Never mind. Your bro will explain it to you, Habibi. Don't worry. Okay, so the poll I mentioned said that the Rater should not have resigned. And secondly, that uh, his leaving ESCOM will not improve the situation at that institution. But the rater is, well, he's made the fall guy, right? The simple equation is that we have low shedding because of him. That, my dear listeners, is a load of bull. There are two main reasons for the failure of ESCOM. First is lack of maintenance, and secondly, Wholesale corruption. Habibi, take your old Ford Cortina. If you didn't service it regularly, change the points, plugs, and condenser at regular intervals, the fuel and oil filters, check the brake discs and pads, and, and change the oil often and so on, well, the result is that you are bound to have breakdowns now and then. Maintenance is essential. Well, it seems that uh, this was not done at ESCOM for a very long time as required. And so we are now experiencing regular breakdowns. Secondly, there has been a huge level of corruption, especially during the years of state capture. That's the Gupta years. Uh, and also, uh, well, Andre has uh, been excluded 
recently from board meetings, the ESCOM board meetings and so on. He's been sidelined. Andre said that he handed in his resignation because of a number of factors. Firstly, he said that he didn't have the support of the government. And secondly, in trying to clean up the utility, he was uh, he faced uh, some very serious death threats just a few days ago. Uh, he got a call saying that his whole family is going to be wiped out. As to the support of the government, well, um, I think the, uh, the, the worst was the outburst of the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, Wede Matash. Um, last week, uh, he said that the Rata and ESCOM's management were actively agitating for the overthrow of the state as it continues to implement power cuts. Did you get that? Let me repeat that. So Mantashe accused the Rata and ESCOM management that they were actively agitating for the overthrow of the state and it, con- and it continue- as it continues to implement power cuts. In my opinion, dear listeners, that is the most asinine statement that I've heard for a very long time to suggest that the Rater is actually conniving to bring down the government is nothing short of accusing the man of committing treason. That is a shocking and an outrageous charge. And I hope that the Rater sues the minister. Treason. <laughs> Good heaven. In some countries, they put you against the wall and you face a firing squad. So could this outburst and... Uh, uh, and, and and this antagonism from Antasha have something to do with the fact that the director was strongly opposed to Mantasha's proposed deal with the Turkish company, which will have a power ship, or let's say ship that has a power plant on board that will be connected to our power grid to supply electricity to us. Uh, and the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, uh, SAIR, has uh, estimated that this deal will cost South Africa 218 billion rands over 20 years. <laughs> well, that's amazing, right? And there has been suggestions that Mantasha's family has been involved in this deal somehow, which, of course, Mantasha has strongly denied. Right. But... That accusation of treason is a very strong charge. And in fact, it was the last straw that finally made the writer resign. Thankfully, thankfully, sense and sensibility prevailed with a response from Minister of Public Enterprises, Praveen Gordon, who set the record straight. This is what he said. He said, in relation to the overthrow of the state and whether the rater is a traitor, the emphatic answer is no. And I'm not going to qualify it in any way, he said. He says, whatever commentary one might have about an individual, it is absolutely unfair and uncalled for to use that kind of language for somebody who tried their best. Who tried their best. Um to get ESCOM out of the mess it is in. He added that the more knowledgeable people know that the problem at ESCOM did not start in 2019, 
It started a long time ago, and there is a long list of people who must be held responsible for decisions they did not make in the right way. Yeah. Well, the words of Kevin Gordon. He's not afraid to say that Mantashe is a nincompoop, in other words. Well, in the nincompoop category, there are other candidates. One is the second in command of the EFF, Floyd Chivambu, whose brother, <laughs> if you remember, Brian Chivambu is alleged to have obtained 16 million rands from the collapsed VBS bank. And at one point, Brian bought Floyd's old accident damage 2002 BMW 7 Series. 2002 BMW 7 for 680,000 rands which coincidentally is the exact amount that Floyd needed to add to the cost of a brand new Range Rover Sport. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it was just a clean deal. You see, not linked in any way to the looting of the BBS bank, Habibi. <laughs> anyway, I digress. This is what Floyd Chivambo said about uh, the writer's resignation. He said, Good riddance to white, incompetent, and mediocre trash imposed on us by puppets. Good riddance to white, incompetent, and mediocre trash imposed on us by puppets. The words of Floyd Chivambo. Well, all I can say is that he's really breathtaking. I wonder if he, Floyd, would dare to say that about the previous CEOs. ESCOM has had 11 black CEOs since 2000. It had eight board, black board chair, uh, chair, chairman since 1997, and at least 50 black people on his board since 1997. So will Floyd Chivambo ever think or dare to say that ESCOM was under the management of black, incompetent, and mediocre trash? Or perhaps... He should say loudly that the VPS bank was run by incompetent black trash who allowed the looters to clean out the bank. Better still, he should speak out about the looters. Maybe then we can take him seriously. Right, and uh, then there is uh, the loudmouth Nincampoop, Minister of Transport, Pikile Mbulula, who calls himself Mr. Fixit. Under his management, the driver's license uh, renewal system is broken. The rail network is broken. The road accident fund is broken. The ETO system is broken. <laughs> Mr. Fixit is not very good at his job, eh? And then there's a small issue uncovered by the public pro protector that focus on Babalula's uh, alleg uh, allegations that he irregularly appointed and paid millions to three of his advisors in the transport ministry. But here's what Mr. Fixit said about the Reuters resignation. Great news indeed. ESCOM CEO resignation give us an opportunity to get a well-informed person about ESCOM's challenges. <laughs> then come poop number three. And this is a work of art, I tell you. Work of art. You don't know whether to laugh or cry, Habibi. Hmm. His name is 
Marcella Coco. He was the acting CEO of ESCOM from 2016. Fast forward to October this year. Here's a news report. Former ESCOM acting chief executive, Marcella Coco, his wife, Mosima, and his stepdaughter, Koketso uh, Choma, have been arrested on corruption charges. According to a News 24 report, the arrest of Coco, his wife, and stepdaughter relates to a multi-billion rand contract ESCOM entered, entered with Swiss engineering company Asia Brown Bovai back in 2015. ABB, as that Swiss company is called, reportedly subcontracted work to a local company, Impulse International, where Choma, as his stepdaughter, was a shareholder. According to the report, Choma received 30 million rands from the deal, and some of the money cascaded to Mosima Coco, that is Coco's wife. The state capture inquiry led by Chief Justice Raymond Zondo recommended that Coco must be investigated and possibly prosecuted for a series of Gupta link deals during his tenure at struggling ESCOM. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what our man Coco says about the Raider's resignation. Now that the Raider is gone, ESCOM can stop load shedding. <laughs> now that the data is gone, ESCOM can stop load shedding. Ish, bro. I really don't know how these characters can shamelessly stand up and criticize a man who has been trying to fix what was handed to him in a rotten state. And here's some sobering facts to digest. When the Raider took over the hot seat, ESCOM's debt was more than 440 billion rand, 440 billion rand. And it had a loss of 21 billion and suffered a 50 billion cash flow shortage. Well, try, dear listeners, to put things right when it's in such a mess, a nightmare. And the Raider... Well, he's an upright, disciplined, hard-working man, tried hard to put things right, but he was, he was uh, hampered by lack of support by <clears throat> the government. And something I discovered, much to my surprise, was that he had some very, very good plans to generate more electricity and avoid load shedding, but the government dragged its feet, delayed implementing his proposals. And that should be the big story. We should be focusing on <coughs> the incompetence of the government. But, in, but instead, all the blame is heaped onto the head of one man. So, dear listeners, after all that bad news, let's have some good news, okay? Mm. <laughs> so sorry, there isn't any. Get used to darker days ahead. The next guy taking over ESCOM will face the same uphill battle to get the Skoroskoro ESCOM Cortina in roadworthy condition. Level two you have, level three we have, level six, who knows? <laughs> Maybe level 10 or 15 where they come in and take away your candles, okay? <laughs> Let's move from ESCOM to another hot topic. And let's again do the exercise. When I mention uh, a word, when I mention a word, shout out immediately 
what comes to your mind. Okay, dear listeners, shout out immediately what comes to mind. Right. And the word is ANC. <laughs> Good heaven, Mota. Please control your mouth. Eh? Your blood pressure will shoot up. Viva African National Chorwans. Viva. Viva African National Chorwans. Viva. Alutai, aluting, continua. Viva. Amandla. Ah, we, mama. <laughs> yes. Luta continua. I didn't join the struggle to be poor. Viva. <laughs> now listen here, my fellow South Africans. Here's something we all know. The truth is crystal clear. The horrible apartheid government, no doubt about that, horrible apartheid government, handed over South Africa on a plate to a black government. And they turned it into a heap of steaming horse manure. A colossal mess. Of course, there may be a bit of truth in the claim that much of uh, the uh, economic power is still in the hands of white. What's that word? Ah, yes. White monopoly capital. White monopoly capital. And how to get rid of this white monopoly capital? What's the other word? Yes. Radical economic transformation. Lovely stuff, right? <laughs> South Africa is in the dumps because of white monopoly capital. And to and to restore and, and to resolve that we need radical economic transformation. And everyone will live happily ever after finish and kla motabaji. Finish and kla. Sloganeering and rhetoric shouted out mainly by the Chorwan sector will get us out of the mess. Keep shouting that out, right? Let's just avoid the elephant in the room. Corruption, Habibi. The state of the nation today is like the Durban beach water. Poor quality. <laughs> in case you missed it, I said poor quality. Poor quality. Well, as I said previously, it's not a democracy, boss. It's a kakistocracy. The Chorwans making maja, bloodsuckers, vultures, and hyenas. We are all numbed by it, almost accepting, almost accepting that this is the way of life. Speeding fines paid with chicken wings. You know what? If South Africa was a land where the highest level of truth, justice, morality, and ethics prevailed, and that was the yardstick by which politicians are measured, then the whole bank shoot as the entire ANC. The entire ANC should pack up and foot sack for aiding and abetting state capture. You know what, I remember the Minister of Justice, I think it was, who stood at the swimming pool in, in Kandla and declared, it is very clear that this is a fire pool. <laughs> it is very clear that this is a fire pool. Fire pool. <laughs> fire pool, I shouted. Fire the fool 
for thinking that we are all stupid. Hmm? Fireball. But you know what? The bar is very low for holding Chorwan politicians accountable. Very low. So many of them are enjoying the ill-begotten uh, gains. Many who were caught with their fingers in the till simply resigned with no fear of prosecution. So let's now look at the big picture. And it's not a pretty picture. Non-stop, non-stop drama. Drama. You know, J.R. from Dallas, well, he can't match the shenanigans, the double dealing, the backstabbing that unfold on our political stage today. Let's call it bad days of our lives. <laughs> Some of you bullies will know what I'm talking about. So as I said before, instead of fighting hard to improve the lives of struggling South Africans, the ANC is embroiled in infighting. And we, the good citizens, are mere helpless spectators to this tamasha. There are two factions. There are two factions at loggerhead, which may be broadly defined as the pro-Rama group and the pro-Zuma group. One may describe the pro-Zuma group as the state capture, meaning the Chorwan group, although to be honest, even Rama has some dakus on his side. And so we have this red-hot war carrying on. Here's the funny part. And I, and I, and I don't mean funny, haha. I mean funny as in matu dukets, tau charets, madajfare, if you understand Gujarati. You know what I mean. Well, here's what I mean. If there was a call from people who are squeaky clean, halos above their heads, are completely untouched by corruption, holding the flag high up for honesty and truth and justice, the epitome of impeccable morality who will not let a single cent of taxpayers' money go astray, if such people called for the resignation of Ramaphosa for his problem with the undeclared dollars, then we will all say, Hallelujah! Viva the good citizens, viva! But it turns out that the loudest shouting is largely from the ranks of the Chorwan sector. All you hear is, Pala, 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 pala. <laughs> Sounds like the steam train from Chester to Durban. Pala, 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 pala. <laughs> Let me say it again, dear listeners. And don't get me wrong. All crimes should be punished. But let's get some perspective here. Let's get some context, okay? In the hierarchy of misdemeanors. Sure, I looked up all these big words this morning. In the hierarchy of misdemeanors. What I mean is that if you look at what Ramaphosa is said to have done and compare that to the wholesale looting of state coffers running into millions, if not billions of rands, his crime is almost insignificant insig in comparison. The big 
mature politicians stole the people's money. Rama may have shortchanged the revenue service by not declaring the dollar income and thereby depriving uh, revenue services of some commission. And yet, we don't have clear evidence that he was directly responsible for hiding the money. Right? Well, as I told you, there are two factions doing battle. Enter Arthur Fraser. Well, he's clearly in Zuma's camp. As the boss of correctional services, he released Zuma from, from Tronk saying that Zuma is unwell and therefore should not be kept in prison, even though a medical panel said that Zuma was fine. And then Fraser left the correctional services and went and laid a charge of corruption against Ramaphosa. He presented information that he obtained when he was head of intelligence, the state security agency. So he got information about Pala Pala and the dollars. Well, the question is, why did he sit with this information all this time and used it now to target Ramaphosa? And following from that, what else does he have that he could weaponize against Zuma's opponents? And what about the billions that are unaccounted for that disappeared from the intelligence services while he was there? The spotlight should be on Arthur Fraser. And here is a dangerous, and here is a huge twist in the drama. Something that suggests that the whole Palapala scandal was manufactured specifically to target Ramaphosa. Manufactured. Listen to this and be startled. Uh, I'm reading from a report. It says here, it seems that the former manager of Pala Pala, Sylvester Lovu, who allegedly hid $580,000 under sofa cushions, has landed on his feet. Lovu, a central figure in the scandal that has threatened President Cyril Ramaphosa's presidency, now works at an exclusive Limpopo Bush Lodge partly owned by Arthur Fraser's niece, Notando Moloketi Williams. This turn of events has raised questions about the true nature of Nlovo's relationship with Fraser and his niece. According to News 24, Nlovo was the only point of contact at Palapala Pala with Hazim Mustafa, the man who, according to Ramaphosa, paid $580,000 for a small herd of buffalo. A receipt issued by Lobo for the alleged sale is at the center of Ramaphosa's defense. However, the owner of the lodge where Lobo now works claims that his employment and links to Fraser's niece are just coincidence. Well, when it comes to the whole sale of Buffalo and the receipts and so on, I think it's a lot of bull. So, there you have it. There you have it. The plot thickens, as they say. Lovu. Well, I heard somewhere that he took out the money from the safe and put it into the sofa. Why would he do that? Hmm? 
Lots of question marks there. So, did you go, wow, after hearing all of this, Habibi? Could this mean the end of our Arthur J.R. Ewing Fraser? Stay tuned for another exciting episode of Salaf. <laughs> no, not Dallas. Salaf. Okay, so let's get to the big question. Should Ramaphosa go? And the answer from the citizens of South Africa, if the sentiment expressed on talk radio stations is an informal poll, the answer is an overwhelming no. Overwhelming? No. Of course, there are many people who are not completely happy with Ramaphosa, describing him as indecisive, and spineless, and perhaps something to do with the whole uh, Palapala scandal, and so on, and so on. Well, yet, what is on their minds is this. What if Ramaphosa goes? Who will take over? There is the fear that a big Gundan Chor will take over to plunder and plunge the country deeper into the pool. So people are saying, better the devil you know. The best of the bad apples. It's a sad state of affairs, Habibi. Sad state. That we have to compromise our principles and accept the best of the worst. worst. So let me show up a little. What we are suffering from is cognitive dissonance. Hmm? Did you hear that? Cognitive dissonance. Let me try to explain. And I hope I don't get clapped by psychologists listening in. Cognitive dissonance is a sort of conflict in your mind that you experience when you strongly believe in something, but your actions contradict that. Is that clear, listeners? No? <laughs> okay. Let me explain a little more. Right? And uh, let me tell you about the signs of cognitive dissonance. You try to justify or rationalize the decision you've made or action you have taken, or you feel embarrassed or ashamed about something you've done and try to hide your actions from other people, or experiencing guilt or regret about something you've done in the past, or doing things because of social pressure or a fear of missing out, um, even if it was something you wanted to do. So, is that clear? <laughs> Still no? Well... Let me give you a couple of examples about cognitive dissonance uh, that you may notice in your own. So, number one, you want to be healthy, but you don't exercise regularly or eat a nutritious diet. And so you feel guilty as a result. Here's another example. You know that smoking or drinking too much is harmful to your health. But you do it anyway. You, na you rationalize this action by pointing to your high stress levels. Here's another one. You like to build up your savings but tend to spend extra cash as soon as you get it. You regret the decision later, such as when facing an unexpected expense that you don't have the money to cover. And one last one. You have a long to-do list but spend the day watching your favorite shows instead. You don't want your spouse to know, so you try to make it look like you worked hard all day. 
Well, there's a few examples of cognitive dissonance. Well, we, the good citizens, are fed up. So anyway, so how is this related to what we are discussing? Well, we, as I said, the good citizens are fed up with the whole ANC. And that includes Ramaphosa. He was there through the state capture years, let's not forget, and didn't speak out or resign in disgust at the looting. Yet right now, we are hoping that he will come out of this conference taking place now um, and um, come out as the winner and continue as president. So, do you get it? Yes? Good. And that, dear students, is the end of the lecture on cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Who said that the big picture wasn't an educational program, eh, Mamu? But, yay, ladies, I know what's going to happen. When the bali comes home and he's sitting down to have lunch, as his mouth is full of acne, you will say, "Um, Darling, I don't like that cousin who invited us for her daughter's wedding, but I will still go, otherwise the family will talk. I think I'm suffering from some cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Topi will choke on his acne. And for the rest of the day, we'll be looking at you sideways, wondering what happened to you, eh? What happened to her now, suddenly? Anyway, moving on. Did you see the amazing penalty shootout? Did you? Hmm? The amazing penalty shootout. Um, And uh, no, I'm not referring to the... World Cup Soccer, Mamu. This was between Ramaphosa and Kosazana Zuma about the Pala Pala report and the vote in Parliament to boot out Ramaphosa. And she said, as a, uh, she said, as a disciplined member of the ANC, I vote yes for him to go. Mm. Disciplined member. Well, this disciplined member is going to be disciplined by the big boys for stepping out of line. Uh, But maybe not. I heard some whispering that the big boys are bungbrooks, afraid that any action against her could possibly backfire. Anyway, quick word about the soccer. Yes, we saw huge displays of support for the Palestinians, um, which showed the actual feeling on the ground in the Arab world of ordinary citizens, contrary to the good relation that Israel has with the heads of government in the so-called Muslim world. And it's called normalization. And that's Well, I'm talking about the display of flags in support of the Palestinians and so on. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But will this strong show of support mean anything positive for the Palestinians? Well, sadly, the answer is no, Habibi. In fact, it's going to get far worse because of the rise 
of the rapidly racist right-wing government that has just taken office in Israel. The killings are rising at an alarming rate. Hmm? Alarming rate. Ah, just one story really struck me, had me shaking my head. 16-year-old girl went to the rooftop of her house to retrieve her cat while the Israeli soldiers were attacking her suburb. And they shot her in the head. Hmm? A sniper who could see her clearly. 16-year-old girl killed. Please make dua for the Palestinians who are facing increasing danger and suffering. More tears will be soaking the ground of the Holy Land. I was going to discuss next week the idea of cognitive dissonance in relation to Israel's treatment of the Palestinians and the wider world that supports it. But I just realized that I will be in the Middle East on Friday, inshallah, and returning on the 5th, inshallah. As my granddaughter Zahra, Zahra would say, the word is Maja. <laughs> and my group is also heading off to Morocco on Monday, inshallah. Maja. So let's uh, see if there's any light at the end of the tunnel in these times of load shedding. That's always guaranteed. The light of the, of the tunnel is always on, on the, in the big picture. But first, let me make a general statement about my moving to Johannesburg. As I'm driving, I have to move onto the slow lane very often because the blue light brigade that ministers in their cars and the convoys push everyone to one side. Speeding. Well, with service delivery being at a snail's pace, pace or not at all, I keep wondering where these ministers are rushing off to. I wondered about, for example, the Minister of Agriculture, and one bright spark answered me saying, maybe he is speeding to check how the plants are growing. <laughs> ah, I tell you. So, one last one. The operator at 911 Emergency service got a call from Kurt. Uh, and Kurt says, Hello, please send an ambulance. I, I just knocked down a pedestrian. And the operator said, Can you please tell me in the name of the street you are in? And Kurt says, uh, Yeah, I'm in Maslangu Street, eh? Maslangu Street. And the operator says, Can you, can you spell that, please? And Kurt, after a very long pause, says, Okay, listen here, but I'll drag his body to Pine Street. Send an ambulance there, okay? <laughs> okay, until next year, inshallah. This is David Awji, bidding you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.